Hello, everybody. This is Parrish Alford with the Daily Journal, and I am joined by Theo DeRosa of the Columbus Commercial Dispatch, Michael Katz, our Ole Miss beat writer at the Daily Journal. And this is Justify Your Existence, where we talk all things Mississippi State and Ole Miss. We're not just fat little sports writers sitting in the shade with fish sandwiches and lemonade. We're cutting edge. And we are coming to you this morning. How are you guys doing? doing I, I was going to say, I, I was going to say, speak for yourself on being the fat little sports writer under a tree. I, I do have my moments. <laughs> well, you know, I just think I, I listen to those Mike Leach comments, Theo, and yeah, you, you know, it's like if if you choose not to go to the Mike Leach presser, man, you might miss something. And uh, you know, depending on what time the game gets finished and what I'm writing, sometimes I go down there and sometimes I don't. And I did not go after the Auburn game, but clearly uh, Mike Leach was in a mood. It's not the first time he's referenced fat little girlfriends, is it? No, I think he did no. back at Texas Tech. So this is yeah. definitely not new. And uh, a lot of people wanted it back. I don't know how I feel about it personally, but yeah, I mean, it's not the first time and kind of using it as kind of a cudgel to say, you know, his players weren't engaged and it's why he folded up all those chairs on the sideline, as you probably have seen on social media. That was a lot funnier to me, but I digress. Well, you know what? I, I just, it seems like an NIL opportunity out there and it, somebody needs to document the girlfriends because I don't believe it's accurate. I don't believe it's true. And, uh, you know, so somebody, uh, there's, there's, like I said, there's an NIL opportunity out there. But anyway, Mike Leach, uh, being Mike Leach after the Bulldogs lost, uh, excuse me, felt like a loss. But uh, they rallied uh, to beat Auburn 39-33 to in overtime last week. Ole Miss was off. Now we have uh, number one and number 10 coming to the state uh, this week. Uh, Ole Miss is hosting Alabama, and Mississippi State is at home against number one Georgia. Michael, let's start with you. This game lost a little bit of luster when Alabama lost uh, in overtime at LSU last week, and uh, – Frankly, it probably cost uh, Ole Miss some money because uh, clearly, and maybe not Ole Miss, but uh, uh, the city of Oxford, I think it's a pretty good chance uh, game day would have been uh, in Oxford this week, back in the Grove, uh, Ole Miss and Alabama uh, had the Crimson Tide not uh, not lost that game. For years, you know, the, the national media would, would trot out Saban's record against his former assistants every time he'd play one. And I think it got up to like 19 and 0 at one point. Now Jimbo Fisher has gotten him once, almost twice. Kirby Smart's gotten him once. Steve Sarkeesian almost got him against, you know, with Texas earlier this year. Uh, Michael, is this Lane Kiffin's time uh, to beat the master? What do you think? It's funny you brought up that sort of, um, you know, I, I don't know if let down is the word, but, uh, you know, there was a lot of excitement that this might be the game day uh, experience uh, if, if Ole Miss, if, uh, sorry, if Alabama had beaten LSU last week. Obviously, that didn't happen. But uh, at the same time, uh, I think everybody is aware of how dangerous a, a, an Alabama team off a loss is. They just don't lose consecutive games. It's like I don't think it's happened since – his very first year there uh, in 2007 or whatever it is um, that, you know, oh, it was consecutive regular season games. That is. They have lost the last game and then a bowl game or whatever it is, but uh, they don't lose consecutive regular season games very often. Uh, and, you know, as, as state learned last time, 
Alabama off a loss. They usually come out, you know, maybe it's not perfect, but they're usually pretty motivated. I think it's just a really tough matchup. Um, you know, I know that this Alabama team is is not what we thought it would be. It is not perfect. They It beats itself up, which is very weird, uh, just in terms of penalties and, and all of that kind of stuff. But they still do have maybe the best quarterback in the country. They've got the best defensive player in the country. And they've got a really, really good running back. And those are things that have given Ole Miss problems. And I know that really good players give a lot of teams problems. But, you know, Bryce Young is is mobile. He can make things happen. He can keep plays alive. That has hurt Ole Miss this year. Um, you know, dynamic running backs have hurt Ole Miss this year. And dynamic edge rushers and defensive linemen have exposed Ole Miss's defensive line. And so uh, I, I think it's a tough matchup. Do I think they have a chance? Of course they do, because this is, this is not – the best Bama team that we've seen and Ole Miss will have the benefit of being at home and being able to run the ball. And I do think that does go a long way, but uh, I, I just think there's a lot of really tough matchups for Ole Miss here. Yeah. I think the Alabama off a loss discussion really is becomes moot. I mean, if, if this team, I think this is a different team. Uh, I saw Nick, uh, I, I saw Lane Kiffin's comments earlier in the week about uh goat fuel uh, for from uh, Paul Feinbaum saying that Nick Saban isn't doing a very good job this year. I don't know about that. I, I think uh, more to the point, there are just some, uh, some talented uh, coaches in the league and some other guys are, are doing good work too. And, and uh, look, it's hard to put your best team out there every year. And, and Nick Saban's done that uh, for a long time. This is a different team. I mean, there are a couple of plays from, uh, having four losses and not just two. And if the coming off a loss motivation was uh, was something that really reached this Alabama team, it seems like it would have a, a little more lasting effect. I mean, they just lost to Tennessee a few weeks ago. So uh, anyway, I, I just don't think the off a loss part is uh, going to really be a big factor in this game, I think it's the matchups that you're talking about. Now, you mentioned that uh, that Ole Miss would have a good chance to run the ball. There have been times this season where uh, the running game has left them a little bit. Now, there were injuries. Uh, they had problems with those at LSU. Obviously, you know, that was a, a big factor. Uh, they've run really well most of the time. What, what's, what are the matchups like there against Alabama? Uh, how has Alabama been at controlling uh, an opponent's run game? Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, Alabama is usually stout up front just in terms of of, of their their lines. But um, you know, it's it, it's it's interesting because Ole Miss has run the ball really well, except for I think it was like one game where it didn't go great. Um, but for the most part, they they've they've done what they've needed to do. Um, but a lot of that has been. The line has – I know the numbers look really good for the offensive line, and the line has played well, but it hasn't always been perfect up front for them. Uh, running backs have made a lot of really nice plays, and Jackson Dart has made a lot of really nice plays running the ball himself. Um, and, you know, as Lane Kiffin said against – I think it was after the LSU game, talent will expose you in the things that you don't do well. And I think this is one of those things where we're going to find out how good this Ole Miss offensive line is because – the town up front for, for Alabama is ridiculous. Their front seven is nuts. They've got two very, very good linebackers. They always have good defensive linemen. 
it's I, I they, they are going to try to run the ball. I mean, that's without question, because I think they have to. I don't think they I think they they know that they aren't going to win most likely a game that comes down to Bryce Young against, you know, Jackson Dart right now, because that's just not the way Ole Miss is built. And that's just not where he seems to be right now. And that's OK. Uh, but you know, I, it's, I, I just think it's a really, really tough matchup. The old Mississippi state fans get misty eyed when they talk about that six to three win over Alabama and Jackson in 1980. I, I think every state fan alive and maybe some who are not claim to be at that game then. But, uh, uh, one of the reasons I think that that game is so important still 42 years later is because they haven't done it since they haven't beaten the number one team since. So, they got another chance Saturday. Uh, what do you think is uh, State's path to the upset here? I think, like we were talking about before we started recording, I mean, you've got to account for a lot of mistakes by Georgia. I don't think Mississippi State can beat a number one team unless that number one team gives them some help. And that's not a reflection of State. I mean, they're obviously a good team. They're 6-3 and three right now. They're bowl eligible. But Georgia's been playing at a really, really high level and if they play anywhere near that, I think they're going to be good enough to win even on the road, which is why I think it's going to take some Georgia mistakes. And I think it's going to take Mississippi State getting out early, getting off to a pretty big early lead, trying to get the crowd, you know, really fired up, really into it and get Georgia rattled, which Georgia doesn't seem to get rattled much. So I don't know how likely that is, but Mississippi State has been really good in first quarters. I think it's like 76 to 14. They're outscoring opponents. And they need to continue that if they're going to have any chance. Uh, Georgia made a couple of mistakes. As as in control as they were against Tennessee last week, they did have a couple of fumbles. Uh, now they played really well at the quarterback position, which is important. No interceptions and, and just a very clean game from Stetson Bennett. But they did have a, a couple of uh, turnovers there against Tennessee. They were very – they looked very focused and prepared for that huge game uh, of unbeaten teams in Athens, Georgia, last week. Uh, so I suppose there's also the chance, in addition to State needing a few mistakes from Georgia, uh, the, the chance that Georgia comes in a little flat emotionally. Uh, maybe that leads to uh, a mistake here or there. But uh, State needs to play near perfect, and that's something that they haven't done in a while. They were so good at home uh, before the Auburn game. It was really – odd how how much different they were in home games uh, as opposed to road games. Everybody's uh, better at home than they are on the road, but that difference was just massive. And then State looked uh, vulnerable. I think the Auburn game had something to do as well. I, I know uh, Mike Leach talked about execution, talked about uh, his linemen not playing with technique up front, and, and that led to a lot of pressure on Will Rogers. I know Rogers had a couple of fumbles and I know that Mike Leach has this lingering discontent with his wide receivers. Um, but I thought part of what was going on last week was, look, Auburn had a new voice, had an interim guy, had a beloved assistant. He got them to play hard. He rallied them. And that's a team that, for all the issues that it's had under Brian Harson, they've recruited well the last uh, several years. So one of those classes was ranked number seven in the last three years. So there are players over there. What uh, what was your takeaway from the Auburn game? 
I thought, you know, for the first quarter and a half, I mean, it was like everything's going to plan. This is how they played against AM. In Arkansas, they kind of just opened it up. They had a big special teams play in the AM game. And again, Saturday with the kick return touchdown. And until the offense just started going like three and out after three and out or fumbling or throwing interceptions, I mean, it looked really good. And then everything just kind of stopped. And obviously, at one point, you're questioning, are they even going to pull out the win? Obviously, they did. The uh, offense came back when they needed it to. They made the big plays at the end of regulation. They had a good drive in overtime for the touchdown. But yeah, I mean, you can't walk away with that and be completely happy when your offense just doesn't do anything for 40 minutes. And I don't think Mike Leach was very happy with it, obviously. We kind of saw that in his actions, you know, during and after the game and what he said post-game. But I think it it's an important win for them getting bowl eligible, still having the chance to get to eight or nine wins this year. But as far as being like the good team that we've seen in prior weeks at home, it was not to that level. Yeah. Um, why do you think nobody has stepped up at receiver here? I mean, I, I go back to August and I watched these guys during camp and I thought, uh, you know, somebody will emerge and everybody has been okay, but nobody has been, uh, there has been no Makai Polk emerging. And I think what's missing here is that guy that wins the 50-50 ball 75% of the time. You know, that that guy who really uh, excels with contested catches. What, what are you seeing among the receivers? Yeah, I thought that guy was, at least at the start of the year, Caleb Ducking, obviously with his height, you know, that's going to be something that he does better at. He's kind of taken a step back since then. And I think, you know, Leach did say that I wrote about that today, but I think Rara Thomas is starting to be that guy. He's not going to have a chance to put up the numbers that Polk did unless he gets like 500 yards in the next three games. But he uh, has 540 yards clear of anybody else by more than 100, two touchdowns against Auburn. He's only a sophomore. He's had some inconsistencies. He'll have big games like that, and then he'll have one catch for nine yards in the next game. But I think he's the guy that they're looking at, or at least the guy that's starting to step up. I thought it was going to be Jaden Wally. He's like sixth on the team in receiving with like 220 yards. Him, Rufus Harvey, Austin Williams, all kind of around the same place. So it's going to seem like it's going to be the outside guys like Tula Griffin, Ducking, and Thomas. And Thomas is doing that, but not to the level Leach wants. And I think you're right that like he's not making all the contested catches like Makai Polk would do. He's not so reliable that they're throwing to him every single drive like Polk got last year. Well, I know that uh, Mississippi State marketing seized on the Mike Leach comments last year about candy corn uh, after the Vanderbilt game and and uh, and made some Halloween candy available, didn't they, at the concession stands? And I, I, I just I want to see him come through with fish sandwiches and lemonade at the concession stands uh, uh, this week. So, uh, again, you got to you got to seize those marketing moments. Michael is what's. What's the Lane Kiffin equivalent to the Fat Girlfriends line? Is is there one there? Uh, I, I, before we get into that, I just want to say I don't think we want mass production of fish sandwiches uh, at, at concession stands. I think that might be a health hazard. That could be very bad. Uh, the other thing I was thinking about this week was that th there's a lot of things that make me feel older these days. But Cadillac Williams being the head coach at Auburn hit me really like a Cadillac uh, the other day. Um, because like, 
I remember when USC was beating him in like 2003. I think it was when they played them at Auburn. Uh, it was like Matt Leinart's first career start. Um, and then I was like, oh, wow, that was like 20 years ago almost. And then I was like, oh, no, I'm getting old. So it those happens. moments have come a lot more frequently recently. Yep. It uh, it happens. You know, Auburn's had some great tailbacks. I mean, just, you know, just start with uh, with Bo Jackson. But uh, Cadillac certainly uh, was a, a great college player. Had a nice little NFL run, I think, uh, 10 years. But, he did. He did. But uh, so, but going back to this lane, does Lane even have the equivalent? I don't know. But his goat fuel thing the other day was pretty incredible just because, um, like, we were just kind of sitting there. We we're like, what is he talking about? And he's like, it's the opposite of rat poison. And it was like, oh, obviously, that's what that means. Um, and then he, uh, <laughs> he, he just, uh, you know, he tweeted out a picture of Nick Saban's book the other day or the book uh, that, that John Talty wrote about him. Uh, you, you know, and just like he's, Lincoln is so good at playing this game of of uh, of of, of respect in Nick Saban, but also um having fun with it. I mean, there's no question he respects the heck out of Nick Saban. Nick Saban did a lot for his career, and he acknowledges that. Uh, but man, he just has so much fun with it, and uh, you know, with him texting Feinbaum and saying like, "Yeah, yeah, thanks so much for you know doing the dynasty thing again." It's like, how many times do we have to do this? Uh, but yeah, no. And then, uh, he quote tweeted me and, and, and we've seen the rat poison emojis, but we got a goat fuel emoji, which is just a goat. And then like the, like the pumping your gas, uh, thing. So I don't know if that's going to catch on like the rat poison, but the goat fuel was pretty good. I, I, I enjoyed that one. Hey, so what's the defensive approach for Ole Miss against Bryce Young? Do they try to rush him and get him off his spot? Ole Miss has been a pretty good pass rushing team. Or do they drop eight and let him? Because he is very patient now. Uh, when you drop eight, as as I saw against Mississippi State, he will stand back there and stand back there, and and eventually someone is going to break free from coverage. Uh, if if you're only going to rush three, you have to eventually bother him a little bit, or he just you know he's not going to give in and and take the run if he thinks a, a throwing lane is going to open up. What what do you think Ole Miss's approach will be? I certainly hope the plan is to tackle them because that has been an issue the last couple of weeks. So I'm hoping they're planning on doing that because uh, that has uh, reared its head at some inopportune moments against good quarterbacks this year. Uh, you know, it, it is interesting because, um, you know, you, you, you think about dropping back guys and, and that's that sometimes works. But against a guy like Bryce Young, again, he's not going to be pressured into making a bad throw. Uh, he is so patient. He's so smart. Um, and if he doesn't see anything open, he'll take off, uh, you know, if, if you're playing that deep. And so I don't know. I, I It's uh, it's so it's so tough. I, I don't know if there's a right way to play Bryce Young because, you know, and, and if you are playing, you know, guys that far back, they do have Jameer Gibbs uh, that can you know do some really nice things. He's he's really, really explosive. And so. Um, you know, if you're playing back, I think they will gladly take the running lanes. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to be really, really interesting. I think Chris Partridge has a really, really hard job ahead of him uh, for this week. Yeah, Gibbs leads the SEC, I think, is might be fourth or fifth in the country in yards per carry. So, uh, obviously, uh, that that is a threat uh, as well. Let's shift gears a little bit, talk some basketball. Uh, 
here. Uh, Michael, we were talking off air about Deshaun Ruffin, a very uh, electric player when he can play for Ole Miss, but now uh, as he missed the season opener with a bone bruise, that's uh, three different injuries that have cost him at least one game. Uh, the hand last year and the ACL obviously cost him most of his freshman season. What's up? Do you know a little bit more about his health right now? Yeah, it, it, <clears throat> Kermit, Kermit Davis made it sound like he pretty he felt pretty confident he was not going to play on Friday. Um, but it sounds like it's it's week to week. Uh, I I I think, and this is probably the right move. You'd be smart with it in the early part of the season. It's really not worth it to rush him back for uh, non-conference games and games that you you know you probably should win. Of course, you never know how it's going to happen. Uh, but uh, you know, I I think they're going to be smart with it. They know it's all about kind of the long run, and uh, I I think they feel pretty good um, uh, depth wise. I know it's a lot of new pieces, but you know, and they started a true freshman point guard the other day, which, you know, is kind of crazy to think about in, in Amari Abrams. But, uh, you know, he was a, he was a highly recruited kid and they've had a lot of really highly touted guys and they've got these 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 nice transfers in. I think a lot of it's just sort of figuring out how all the pieces fit. And, and I think as we saw in their first game, I don't think they're quite sure how all the pieces fit, what the right combination of players is, what 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 it's going to look like on a, on a nightly basis. And so, uh, you know, R R Ruffin being out is obviously really tough. Um, but I do think there is sort of a, you know, you feel pretty confident with what you have in him when he comes back. Let's kind of figure out the rest in the meantime. Uh, what were your takeaways from the Alcorn game? It looked like as Theo and I were talking, both uh, both our local teams here were uh, took them into the second half to get going. Well, you know, it's it's uh, you know, in the, uh, the week before uh, the season started, you know, the, the talk was, you know, how they were going to run this faster offense, and uh, we saw, you know, on on the first game of the season, they looked pretty similar to to, to kind of what we had seen, and and this, you know, Ole Miss had struggled to score the ball a lot last year. They did not, they were a they they had these stretches where it did not happen for them, and there were moments in Monday's game where it looked very similar to that. Second half, they got it together. They made it work. They figured out, you know, how to how to make things happen. I think they shot forty six percent from the field in the second half, which I think they'll take that any day. Um, and so, I think you know, I I, I think this team is going to go as, as far as, as as its offensive capabilities do, and I think that's a work in progress. But I do think they are going to use pace to their advantage. Uh, I just think they're kind of still figuring out how to do that right now. Theo, uh, football question before I get you to basketball. Mike Leach talked about the technique on his offensive lineman, thought that that was a big part of uh, the pressure that uh, Auburn was able to get last week. Do you think they clean that up, and and uh, are, are they able to protect Will Rogers a little bit better against Georgia? I mean, I look at Georgia numerically, and, you know, as far as getting to the passer, I mean, they're about where Auburn was, which Auburn had like a – its best day of the season. Uh, Georgia seems to have more success with just sticking to those receivers and, and covering and, and uh, being uh, being a problem that way. Yeah, Georgia's sack numbers are not where I expected for a team that's like top 15 in rush defense and pass defense. They have, I want to say, 15 or 16 sacks. They're below Mississippi State this year. 
so I don't know. They obviously have really talented players like Jalen Carter on the D-line, but you're right that their strength seems to be covering receivers, which might be a bad news for Mississippi State, given what they do. I don't know. You could see the offensive line take a step and still give up more sacks or the same number of sacks just because Georgia, I think, is maybe a better passing pass rushing team than Auburn, although Auburn does have, you know, Derek Hall and Colby Wooden, and you saw them get to Rodgers, I think, five times, four times. Yeah, it would be interesting to see. I mean, LaQuista Sharp was playing against Auburn. Could Travis Delabelle Johnson has been back for a few weeks now. And they still have been kind of bad uh, giving up nine sacks in the past two games. So given what MSU does, it's especially because two of those were strip sacks and fumbles lost, they're going to have to have better protect, protection to kind of run what they want to run on offense. But I don't know if it'll happen. Well, you know, if, if these Mississippi State receivers aren't more physical and using their hands to get open against uh, Georgia, we could get a uh, another uh, lesson on the dinosaurs at, uh, at the end of the game uh, from, from Mike Leach. Let's talk basketball a little bit. Chris Jans, uh, the Chris Jans era uh, got underway and uh, the Bulldogs were successful in their season opener, but uh, kind of uh, uh, late arriving, I guess. Uh, what was – the first half, were they just kind of feeling their way around? Uh, did they look uncomfortable? I don't think they looked uncomfortable. I think there were some nerves, and Tolu Smith and Chris Jans both pointed to that. I mean, it's their first game under a new coach. It's completely kind of a new style, too. They uh, pressed more than ever, and I say ever because I don't think Ben Howland ever ran a press, no matter what the score was. <laughs> and Shaquille Moore, guard from Mississippi State, even pointed that out. But they were pressing, I think, most of the game against Corpus Christi. And you're right, it did take some time to figure things out. They didn't shoot very well in the first half. Turned it over 10 times. We're down as many as 12. Ended up being down five at the half. But they just kind of stuck to it. Forced a lot of turnovers. Started shooting better in the second half. And ended up pulling away to win by 19. So there was a bit of a scare, of course. But they were fine. And they did a pretty good job. Smith said after the game that, uh, you know, we... Didn't play that well. Still won by 19. Maybe that shows how high our ceiling is. Obviously harder to judge against Texas A&M Corpus Christi, although they were a tournament team last year. Akron will be interesting. They play Akron on Friday. Akron was another tournament team. That's a neutral site game in Philadelphia. So that'll be a better test for them. Yeah, will Joe Moorhead be there? Will he like be the honorary coach on the bench there for Akron in, in that game? I think he's he's busy preparing for them to go one and nine. So I think uh, he might be busy. Maybe, Oof. Oof. Maybe the, the zips, man. Can you could could there be a uh, a less impressive uh, mascot? Any newcomers stand out to you, Theo? Yeah, Deshaun Davis, the point guard transfer from Oregon State, pretty impressive. I mean, he led the Pac-12 in assists, as uh, Chance and his teammates keep talking about. But it's impressive. I mean, Eric Reed is a guard from SEMO, Southeast Missouri, who starting two guard in his first game. I think Reed and Davis both started. So kind of remaking the backcourt, but they've been pretty good. And I think the transfer class overall is not bad. Folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, where we talk Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and the SEC. For Theo DeRosa and Michael Katz, I am Parrish Alford. Thank you. Thank you for being with us.